Friends Beyond the Binary, welcome to Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am Chris Peterson, one of your three co-hosts this week, and I, I guess this is now a permanent thing where it's, it's going to be two or more, or four or five, who knows, we're, we're doing it all, but join me as always is Ben Frawley, how are you, sir? What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, people, what's up, people around the internets? I'm ready to bring the entertainment. Love it, love it, and of what? course... What is becoming a regular staple on this mm-hmm. show, Miss Lynette Williams? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Doing well. So glad you're joining us for your fourth straight episode. Fifth? I don't know. I uh, I think it's fourth. I think it's fourth, I think so. right? I mean, time no. Flies. Oh no, because I forgot Chris wasn't there. No, this is my fifth. This is. Oh my god! I've joined this the five timers club. You're five That's times. Right. You and Elliot coat. Gould. <laughs> <laughs> You deserve a jacket, my friend. You deserve a jacket. That's awesome. Well, folks, this podcast, if you've been listening for a while, you know what we like to do is dive into all things entertainment, um, consuming everything from movies, television, books, food. I mean, anything that you are having a good time consuming, that's what we like to talk about on this podcast. And what we want to do is bring basically three stories from the past week or literally in the past day with some of these things um, and discuss them here on this podcast. But the kicker is I have no idea what Ben and Lynette are bringing to the table. They have no idea what I'm bringing to the table. So we are going to get into some, some hot takes, some genuine reactions. It's going to be a good one. I can't, I can't wait to get started. And of course, as always, we're going to um, finish with going YouTube and we're going to dive into that wonderful website and talk about some of the things that we've been watching over the past week as well. So let's kick it off. Ben, why don't you go first, my friend? Why don't you lead us off? Ooh, you're starting in hot. Starting hot. All right. All right. Well, let's just break off a big one. Okay. Uh, what's today? It's December 3rd. Let's break off the big news of the weekend. Let's talk Irishman. Okay. The Irishman. Let's talk about it. I know you guys probably had um, this on your uh, top stories, but I want to go at a, a kind of a different angle. You know, it's going to be the first one of the pod. So I want to kind of get your general impression um let me break down my spoiler free kind of quick review um i thought it was great to have scorsese back at the helm of something that he is familiar with i thought the um acting was phenomenal i thought pacino this was a role he was destined to play i thought his portrayal of jimmy hoffa you you had you know the verbose kind of screamy al pacino which is a great Kind of, you know, in his in Al Pacino's like kind of, I'm going to say post devil's advocate career, um, you know, you have screaming Pacino, I like to call him. Uh, and I thought Jimmy Hoffa fit perfectly. I thought this was the role that you want to see kind of an, an elderly Pacino play. I thought that was great. It was great to see Pesci return. And then De Niro was just doing his stuff. who was just great. I thought if you think about recasting the movie, you probably can't. I mean, these were definitely roles. Uh, that they were born to play. Here is my kind of spoiler-free review. I thought the build of this movie, um, the bones of the movie, the structure was great. You know, the whole road trip with the wives going out was fab- fabulous, and then the flashbacks, absolutely great. I thought that the um, little captions underneath everyone that they introduced, how they died, was phenomenal. Just 
little kind of quirky little casino-esque kind of pieces. Uh, great period music going through the the, the movie, just kind of like um, Goodfellas or Raging Bull. I, I just thought it was a great callback to everything that you love about Scorsese. Now, here's my critique. And I thought the movie was maybe an hour a little too long. I've heard this critique from a couple people. Um, I just thought that we were building, building, building towards something. And then the end of the movie where it's kind of De Niro in the um, old folks home went on a little too long for me. Uh, maybe maybe not an hour too long, but maybe like a, a half hour too long. I just thought that, you know, and, and someone asked me today, actually my coworker Jason asked me, do you need like a Scarface kind of ending at the end of the movie? I was like, no, no, no I don't need that. I, it's not that I needed him to go out in a blaze of glory or anything, but I just thought that the end of Casino that ends similarly, like, you know, I always could pick the numbers, and so that's why they left me alone, you know, where it's just kind of like a, a whatever ending, but it's a cool kind of one-liner and it just goes out. I just felt it wasn't there. I, I never got a sense for who he was really talking to, why he was telling us the story, and then what his kind of – what he thought of the whole thing. Like did he think that – you know, your main character, did he think that, you know, the whole – his whole life was building towards this one event and then, you know, the betrayal of his friend or was it – or he had to betray his friend or – I don't know. I got a sense that he didn't really care. It was kind of a weird thing. What were your guys' first impressions, Lynette? What did you think of the movie? Um, I thought I would agree. I think it's a little too long. It was um, a lot. At one point, I actually did maybe take a little cat nap and then like had to rewind it because I missed a part. Um, but then once I realized why it needed to be almost that long, and once things started picking up, I really did appreciate having... Um, some back information. I do agree with you. I had to actually look it up um, at the end of the movie to figure out who he was talking to and why. Um, and I got an answer from the interwebs on that. Um, okay. I I actually was really excited about Joe Pesci in this. I felt that this was probably one of the best roles I've ever seen Joe Pesci do. And I think because for me, it's so different than all his other roles um, that to be thrilling and yet quiet was he did an excellent job with that. Um, I yeah, agree. Definitely with you. a subtle performance. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was great. Yep. And I definitely agree with you about Al Pacino. Um, but yeah, I think overall it, it was a little too long. I got confused at the end. Um, and the ending, yeah, the ending was okay. It wasn't great. wasn't. Yeah. Like I, I, there was a couple like, and when I, when I, when I talk about like him being confused on who De Niro's character is talking to at the end, I don't mean the two federal agents on the bench outside. I meant when he's talking like almost to camera, like sitting in the wheelchair at the end, uh, you never really got a reveal of who the fourth wall was. You know what right. I mean? Which yeah. is why I actually, I, I looked it up once I wanted to know, cause I wanted to know where Scorsese got the, the information from. Like, right. Of course. So right. then I realized, you know, it, it's based on a novel 
mm-hmm. and how the novel came about, then I was like, uh, okay. So then I guess that's, in theory, I could assume that that's who he's speaking to. Mm, right. Yeah. Chris, what did you think? You know, I, it's it's weird. I didn't feel like it was too long. I felt it was like just your typical Scorsese film. I think, you know, out of all of his films, maybe with the exception of Goodfellas, like you could probably cut out 25 to half an hour out of all of his films. Um, but, you know, what I, what I, my criticism of the movie um, was I didn't feel like the writing was like, it, it, the writing could have been better. And, mm-hmm. you wow. know, there's scenes, you know, I don't think that this gives anything away because they're in the cast list, but like right. there's that, that amazing scene where you've got Harvey Keitel, Joe Pesci and De Niro sitting at a table and you're talking about three incredible actors. I'm watching this moment on screen. I'm like, Oh my God, it's the three of them sitting at a table acting together. This is amazing. And I'm wanting more from that conversation. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's little lines here and there that I was like, yeah, that's great. But like, I wanted more from that. And then obviously the moments between De Niro and Pacino, I'm like, mm. like I, I was waiting for that. I mean, maybe it's, it, maybe it's that heat fan in me where I'm waiting for that diner scene between right. De Niro and Pacino. Right. And we just didn't get it out of this film. And maybe that's because there was a lot more of them together, you know, in this film. And that's maybe why, but uh, yeah, no, I was just, I was just waiting for those. I didn't feel like we get, got into those iconic, you know, mercy. Scorsese, you know, writing um, scenes. And also, but, you know, on the plus side, the cast in this movie is ridiculous. And yes. what I love about, the, you know, watching, especially casts in Scorsese films, especially the last, you know, couple ones, is that you've got people that are just basically doing these movies for scale because they just want to be in a, in a Scorsese film. Like, I don't care what the role is, um, I'm in. And, you know, <laughs> you've got Ray Romano in there, of all people. Mm-hmm. You've got, it was great. Um, yeah. You know, if you're a fan of, of Boardwalk Empire, you know, seeing Stephen Graham, who played uh, Al Capone on that show, he was great. Jack Houston, who played Robert Kennedy, he's the guy that has that, like that kind of scarred face in Boardwalk Empire. Yep. Um, uh, Bobby Cannavale. Yep, uh, Bobby Cannavale. Jesse Plemons, Friday Night Lights, Jesse Plemons is in this movie. And then um, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco, too. Oh, my gosh. It's just the list goes great. on and on. I mean, Dominic uh, Lombardo Dozzi from The Wire. Yep. One of my favorite guys from the wire was in this and he's like, in full makeup. So he was it was in, like great. fat suit or something. Yeah, he was exactly. Great. Yeah. And in, you know, I know that there was some backlash um, and some criticism over Anna Paquin's role in this and yeah. over, over her lack of lines, but I thought it worked. Lynette, yeah, what did you think about that? that yeah. That didn't mm. work for me. That didn't work for me. You wanted more. Yeah. Oh, definitely more. I, like, mm-hmm. you know, what worked for me was, um, what worked for me was what's her face? I'm drawing such a blank. Uh, who's the Wolf of Wall Street girl? Um, oh, um, Stephanie Margot Robbie. Kurtz- Kurtz- Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Oh, Margot Robbie. I'm sorry. Yep. Sorry, Margot Robbie's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that worked. Her mm-hmm. lack of lines in that in this did not work because there was no payoff. Right. In 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 Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's a payoff. You know why? You know who? Where she actually kind of ends the movie she's like come and come on up and you know what i mean and invites him up to the house and there's actually like a payoff to the character where if you know at the end of the movie let's say this lynette what if at the end of the movie you pan back and it's de niro telling anna paquin this full story that would have been better that would have been and that would have been interesting if she didn't have any lines through the whole thing and then she's just sitting here recording this thing he dies and then boom that would how imagine how crazy that would be and yeah. i think that would be appropriate and there'd be a po- appropriate point to that character and i just think like instead of i don't know i, I just 
Yeah. My thing, I understood the reason for the character and I get the character. My problem was is that it didn't need to be Anna Paquin when she grew up. It could have been it could have been anybody. It didn't need that role did not need a name. Um a name You're person. expecting more, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Um and and I think if it was a name, then she could have delivered more. Like at the funeral the funeral scene, there you know, if you, I feel like if you had somebody else different, it might have felt, a, you would have felt a little bit more attention mm-hmm. um, between her and the rest of the family. And like, that was the other thing is like, really? None of the sisters, none of the other sisters figured it out. Like, right. there was, there was that connection. Like, and I think that's always a thing for Scorsese is that he's always very good at getting these male to male relationships, but getting the female relationships, I've always found it harder for him. I mean, um, I just don't think there was stuff there. I mean, Lorraine Bracco in Goodfellas is a phenomenal character. So is Sharon Stone, but I just don't think there was anything there. I just, you know, and, and speaking of like big scenes, like think of that. There was, you know, Chris, you said that there was, you know, kind of a waste of Keitel and De Niro. But remember, there's a great scene between Pesci and Pacino when Pesci's character is confronting him at that wedding or at the um, when uh, uh, De Niro's getting the honor award. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That was mm-hmm. a phenomenal scene. And, and two actors we've never seen on screen before. Pesci and, and Pacino, unless I can, can't think of something, nope. have never been on screen before. That was a great writing. That was great. But imagine that that whole movie the climax of that movie almost could have been in that scene as opposed to the rest of the hour and a half we had left Mm. after this was because you have pesci's character who is trying to pesci and de niro's character is really trying to talk jimmy hoffa down from getting (laughs) killed by the mob you have the mob there saying that this guy needs to go and he's kind of this brash kind of crazy character it's and all of that is based on real life which so it it works on a, on many levels then you have Hoffa's character dancing with De Niro's daughter you have all these dynamics and i th- felt the tension could have you could have ratcheted up the tension and drama in those scenes imagine like a awkward uh, almost violent scene in the bathroom or something you know something really weird during this like award ceremony and they just kind of let it go and then you have another half hour where nothing happens and another uh, I, I just feel like there was un, unused potential, and you you got these actors on set, you got these, you 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 move the chess pieces on the board together, and then drama could be right there, and then they kind of just. The know. only other thing I could I was thinking about during this is that it, it it's so here are these older uh, older actors, directors, writers, and they're at a different stage in their lives from where we are. Like, you know, we're, we're still in the raising kids, going out, having fun, but we're, we're still adults kind of thing. And, um, it seems to me that the, the act, the characters themselves were also in this point of view where it's like, you know, like Joe Pesci's character is like, I'm getting old for this. Like, we got to, we're starting to slow down a little. Like, um, what's this futz is like, I, my life, this is a lifetime honor. Like, they're all trying to slow down. And here's Hoffa saying, nope, I'm trying to make these five years back. Like, and he's just going, going, going. And so unless the climax is just trying to prove the point of how tired they are. But even then, I still don't think it missed. I, I still don't think it did that. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, yeah. 
And like I said, I'm not trying to, I don't need like a giant Scarface ending. I don't need, you know what I mean? Like gunfire and stuff. But I just, when the time came for the, the actual climax of the movie, I kind of didn't give a shit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like I really didn't. I, I really, it lost me. It, it did. And it shouldn't have. Like the build to this movie was one of the best builds I've ever seen. Like the whole car trip thing, the flashbacks had me, I go, I love this. I, I turned to Bobby. I go, I love this movie. I already love it. And then somewhere in there, it just lost me in the mix. I need to watch it again. This is off the first, you know, this is my first yeah. take. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting because, I mean, Netflix really did put all their chips in, um, you know, into this film. I mean, $160 million budget. Um, you know, it, the, this is going to be their awards, you know, push film for for the year, basically. And, um, yeah, reaction I've, I've seen has been mixed to good. I, I haven't seen anybody, like, trash the film yet officially but no and and, yeah don't get me wrong i mean the movie was great Uh, i had a great time i enjoyed the acting the directing everything um but you know the article i'm reading right now is you know the irishman is crowned best film by national border review and more and so to them this is the film of the year Mm. and this is you know and there's a couple other awards on here um there's a, like a National Board Review Icon Award given, and it's they're they're going to give it to Scorsese, De Niro, Al Pacino. I mean, I could see that. I mean, they they were phenomenal in this movie, and but uh, I don't know. My my uh, friend Rick on Facebook, he he put out there is like, are we, you know, are they just by doing these kind of movies that are just okay to you know Goodfellas, Casino, Raging Bull standards? Are they kind of tarnishing their name and downplaying those movies? Uh, my point to him was, you know. Do we need to honor these things, or are they getting honored after the fact because you know Goodfellas lost to Driving Miss Daisy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so they're kind of like after the fact awards, or are they getting awarded too much? Where you know Scorsese is still capable of pr- pr- producing great bodies of work, whether it be as a producer or director. Um, you know, look at Wolf of Wall Street or Boardwalk Empire. So I, I, I just. I just think it was it was good. It was good. I'm not gonna say it was a terrible movie, and it's not worth watching. It's definitely worth watching. Everyone's great in it. It's just, is it kind of a nostalgia porn kind of thing where we're just kind of, are, are we building up too much, and will we forget about this movie in three months? Right. Right. Good stuff. Yeah, good dude. point. Yeah. Way to hit all, lead off uh, strong. I love it. I love it. Lynette, what's your first pick this week? My first piece, let's try that again. My mm. first pick this week, my mouth doesn't work today. It's a funny little situation, um, is going to be, if my thing loads, of course it's not going to load. There it goes. Um, all right. This is my first thing for the week is going to be, I think we've missed a possible sleeper sci-fi fantasy on HBO called His Dark Materials. Have you guys been watching this at all? Yes, and then I stopped watching it. Ooh. Oh, okay, my sister! Great. My sister is all in and said, "I we need to start watching it." So, so here's my take on this. I, Chris, out of curiosity, how, which episode did you stop watching after the first episode? Well, that would be your problem. <laughs> okay. So, well, okay. So here's my thing: is I saw the original Golden. So his Dark Materials is based on the same book that the Golden Cup. It's the Golden Compass series, um, and I saw the original movie that came out, the Golden Compass, which was a bunch of. Bleh, it was not good. Um, 
And but I always liked the idea of the story without even reading the books. I always thought that it was an intriguing tale. Um, so I watched the first episode and I was like, yeah, OK, like it, it's better so far than the movie, but we'll see where it goes. They are now in the fourth episode. They've hit their stride. They know how to tell a story. They've got me interested. I think it has the potential of being the next big sci-fi fantasy show. Um, even though the theme song is a little too close to the Game of, Th- Game of Thrones theme song. But that's a different situation. Huh. Um, but I find it entertaining. I find it interesting. I find myself thinking about it afterwards um, oh, in a lot great. of different ways. So, I was just going to ask you that. That's, that's where like... That's when I know I have like a, a good built world in like a fantasy show is I think about it. That's good. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, curiosity, since I'm in it and I'm like, yes, I'm I'm keeping going. I'm excited about it. I want to watch the next episodes. What you stopped after the first episode? What what about it? Were you like, man? I mean, I, I, I do remember the movie and I saw the movie when it came out because uh, this is where I, when I'm still in the I'm looking for something to um, fulfill my Lord of the Rings need mm. for fantasy. So th- th- I looked at you know uh, the Golden Compass. And I was like, ooh, okay, here we go. Um, and it just it, yeah, to, it, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It just wasn't wasn't good, and I didn't get it. Um, and I kind of wanted to get it. And so when they when I saw this was coming out, I was like, okay, well, this is like take two. Let's try this again. And you know, my boy Lin Manuel Miranda's in it, so I was like, okay, I gotta check it out. But um, it just didn't grab me. And and you know, I feel like. If you're if with a pilot episode with the first episode of anything, um, you've gotta you've gotta have something that grabs me. It's okay if it's not like if I'm not like, oh my god, this is gonna be the you know best freaking thing ever. Um, but you've gotta have something to be interesting. And I just I just wasn't interested. I was just like, oh, okay, this is kind of what I saw before with this, you know, Pullman's, you know, take on religion and all, all this other stuff. And I was just like, okay, it's the same thing. Um but I mean, you know what? I mean, I, I'm I'm someone who, you know, is willing to give things, you know, another try. So if you're telling me that, you know, episodes three, four, and five, or six, wherever they're on now, um, it, it starts to ramp up, then I'll, you know, definitely give it another look. Because I mean, I do love the cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody in that sh- in that show is amazing, uh, especially the the young lady who who was in Logan and now she's in this. I mean, you know, she's great. So yeah, I I, I would be I'm not I'm not turned off. Immediately now, I think what happens, and I'm so glad you're bringing the show up because I was actually just thinking about it today of how you know shows like Watchmen have so much overshadowed almost everything else that's on HBO right now because you know it's just so freaking good. It's so good. And I just, I part of me is like, is man, his dark material. Oh, <laughs> his dark material. I just felt like his dark materials came out at the wrong time. Like this is this yeah. should have been the show that started after Watchmen season was over, or vice versa. Like finished his dark materials and then premiere Watchmen. You can't have them both running at the same time. Yeah, that was suspect um, programming. That's suspect. I think the I think their thought process. I could. This is what I'm presuming. I I'm making an assumption here. I think their thought process was is that Watchmen would go to one demographic, and that um, his dark material would go to another. Hmm. I don't think they thought that it would actually go to both. Right. Um, and I think that was their mistake is that uh, they're not realizing that it, it, they're both fantasy. Right. They're both like they're both in the sense that they're both fantasy enough that both demographics would 
like both of them and for different reasons. Right. Right. Exactly. It's yeah. And and I could see where if you aren't a nerd and you're head of programming that you wouldn't see the crossover, you know what I mean? That you wouldn't see the potential right there, but yeah, that's kind of suspect. It's almost like they're running Monday night raw and WCW at the same time. It's really weird. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like it would be one thing if it was like succession and, and Watchmen at the same time, like that makes sense to me. Right. Different, different demographics. But yeah, if you're going to run two fantasy things at the same time, I think they thought that Watchmen was set enough in a real, in a real time that people wouldn't consider it to be fantasy, I guess, which there's still a lot of fantasy elements. You know what I, you know, when I, when I saw the, the Watchmen at Comic-Con, I, I got a sense that they didn't know what they had on their hands when that, you know, when the line was out mm. the door and and the place was packed and people were doing standing ovations for the show, I think the cast was kind of shocked in itself. <laughs> I think maybe they thought it was just like kind of like a nerdy kind of thing that you know would get this cult following and they'd make a quality show. I really think they they thought that, but that that show is I don't know crazy. Well, I mean, I think sh- it's fair to say that HBO with with Game of Thrones ending. You know, they they basically green, greenlit like everything they possibly could, yep. and I think this this fall into winter is them just throwing stuff against the wall and see how it sticks. And there, you know, I think the next couple of years you'll start to see that stuff broken up. So I wouldn't be surprised if like maybe they delay season two of His Dark Materials or Watchmen or you know one of the other. So this way they can you know stack that because you know I think it's just yeah they're, I think they're just like we don't know what to do without Game of Thrones right this second so let's just throw it all out there see who consumes what and then we'll go from there. Right and not to mention not to mention that they had the giant streaming services coming out of the gates like Disney Plus and Apple right. TV. Right. So they're like oh shit we need to put some really big stuff out there and they did. So maybe that's it and then they'll stagger it. So good call. What were you going to say Lynette? Sorry. I, I was just going to say that I mean HBO has a history of doing that. Uh, Sopranos ended. They didn't know what to do. They threw a whole bunch of crap out against the wall. Some of it landed and some of it didn't. Like that was right when Carnival came out and right. something else had come out. And Deadwood. 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 And so they were just like, we don't know what's going to work. And then they canceled Carnival, which made me mad. So mad. It was so good. I was <laughs> Such like, no. Such a good show. Yep. Um, and then and they did it again when they lost, uh, was it Sex and the City was over? They didn't know what to do with that. So they threw out a whole bunch of other stuff. Like they they do that when they don't really. Oh, no, True Blood. I'm sorry. When True Blood right. ended, they were like, that was ah, show. Right. what are we going to do? And like just kind of they throw things out. And then they're just like, oh, crap. We didn't realize that that was going to be as big as it was so um so yeah so hopefully i think you're right i think they will stagger it um but i do think that his dark materials is getting overlooked by watchmen however um i did throw that out there about saying um is it really a good show (laughs) i'm joking i love it let's be real (laughs) especially this last week episode Oh my gosh oh my gosh i could go on that show for three hours but um good stuff on that good stuff so my first pick, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tread lightly into this, but I think we all share kind of similar opinions about the subject. But I'm gonna talk right. about pol- politics because it is we are starting to get into this like prime of the you know presidential race is starting to heat up a little bit. Some people are ironing out and things like that. But we learned today, being December third, uh, that Kamala or is it Kamala? Kamala. I think Kamala. 
Okay. Kamala, I want to yeah. make sure I pronounce that correctly. Kamala Harris has dropped out of the race officially. Um, yep. And that, that, that has been long time coming. I mean, you know, we've been seeing her at the you know bottom of the polls. Funding has been, you know, next to nothing. And, um, you know, there was a uh, really, I guess you could call it a damning uh, leak last week where her director of communications left and basically posted this letter, you know, slamming the campaign, talking about how, you know, all the inefficiencies and stuff like that. So basically it, it was over. Um, so that's one less candidate. We've seen a couple of candidates drop out. Uh, Beto O'Rourke was another one and things like that. But I just wanted your thoughts on on the Democratic slate as it is. I mean, we've had Michael Bloomberg jump in. We've had Deval Patrick, former governor of Massachusetts, just jump into the race. Where, where are you, what are you thinking about the, the selection right now and how these candidates are, are interacting with that? Ben, I'll start with you. Uh, I think they're in trouble. I think the Democratic race is in major trouble. They need to get unified really quick and pick a candidate really quick, like as, as, as quick as possible. <laughs> because the more they water down their brand and the more the infighting continues, um, you have like the devil waiting for you. And that devil is like Trump and, you know, the seventh cavalry or whatever you want to call them. Uh, they're just <laughs> waiting to uh, take you out. Can we just officially call Trump supporters the seventh cavalry? Why not? Uh, so um, I, I just think that you just have this monster, no matter how many, how many facts you have against him, no matter how many impeachment hearings you have, they'll just call it fake news and steamroll you over. Uh, one thing that I thought that was – a mistake last time. This is just me, just spitballing here. Is you didn't have two major candidates combined forces, and of course it was because of inner fighting. You know, because of, you know, could a Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton ticket have won last time? Absolutely, I think it could have won. But you know, they had their own personal problems with each other, and they couldn't get together to make that happen. Um, so I, I think there needs to be two major candidates in the Democratic Party that combine, you know, combine their numbers and their percentages of pollsters together to make this happen because gerrymandering has just ripped apart this country. So no matter how many votes you get, it's going to be about those weird states like Iowa and, you know, mm. New Hampshire and all these things coming up that are very odd voting states. So Lynette, what do you think? I would agree. I mean, the Democratic Party is reminding me of the Tea Party back in, what was it, uh, when Obama first ran, when they had 16 people in the Republican primary, um, and none of them could figure out what their party wanted. And we're doing the same thing. I'm freely admitting I'm a Democrat here. Mm -hmm. um, um, and it scares me. Um, I think I think Ben is absolutely right that we can't degrade each other and still expect to be able to have a good party candidate. Um, and honestly, I think the way to win it would be a Warren Sanders ticket and just be like, let's do this. Yeah. Like, um, but, you know, I don't know how that's, I don't know how that's going to work. That's a great point. And I think, uh, my biggest fear, and it's a couple things. It's I I th I see the way that these candidates are knocking each other out, you know, at the leg basically. And the problem is the way that they're doing it is exactly the way that Trump would use it if that person becomes a candidate, and therefore can defeat them. I mean, you just saw this past week, Pete Buttigieg is 
you know, up in polls, and you see this article come out that basically blasts him for how he looks at race relations. And I'm like, that, it's like, great, you just destroyed, like, that's, you know, his entire opportunity to get any type of, you know, uh, people of color vote. Um, you see the same thing with, with Biden and stuff. I'm like, there's ways to, you know, get a leg up with one another without cutting each off, cutting, cutting each other off at the knees um, so that Republicans can take advantage of that. And that's what we're not seeing right now. And that's, that's very concerning. The other thing that, and I made this point, you know, in conversation back when Trump was running the first time, and I remember telling people, um, we have no idea how many Trump supporters are out there because right. the way that the, the media and I, and I'm 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 not a Trump supporter at all, but I can call it like I see it. The way that the media and social media and and everything like that, with the way that anybody who, anytime presents an opinion that's not anti-Trump, is so I guess you get heaped upon, that people are just not making their opinions known anymore. Mm-hmm. So when pollers are calling, when people are saying, "Hey, who are you going to vote for?" Or, you know, we, we circle amongst friends. I'm willing to bet there are a lot of Trump supporters out there that aren't saying anything, and yeah. therefore. There's no way to track that. So when people say, oh, you know, Trump's down in these polls and stuff like that, I was like, you don't know anything yet. And that's, and just like, you know, beware the Cyclops and things like that. Mm-hmm. I do believe that there is a, <laughs> there's this, this, this belief amongst Trump supporters that's like, you know, we're not going to make our, you know, we're not going to be going out there rah, rah, rah. And we're going to, we're just going to wait till election day to make our voices heard. And it's, it, that's, that's very scary right now. So, well, if you think about it, there's two things that I'm thinking about when you say that. There's the first thing is the SNL skit with David Chappelle the the week after right. the election. Yeah, great. Sketch. Where where he was the only one. He's like, oh yeah, this is such a surprise. <laughs> oh, him and uh, it's him and Q Tip. Yeah, it's yeah. him and Q Tip. They're just like, what do you mean? You're so shocked. <laughs> like, um, you know, it's one of those things. Like, I keep thinking about that. Like, I I knew a couple of weeks going in, I was like, this is not going to go the way we think it's going to go. The second thing that I'm thinking about is also um, if you've ever read any recent information about how the um, neo-Nazis and the KKK work now, um. It's kind of scary because the whole way that they work is very similar to the 7th Calvary where they're out in public and you don't know who they are. And that's the way they want it. They want to look like an everyday Joe Schmo working a nine to five. And then they're public. They're putting their stuff out there, you know, encrypted and encoded um, in deep black web stuff. And, um, you know, they're slowly getting masses and they're not doing those big cross burnings anymore. It's all about the subterfuge. And I think, I think you're right that that's, that's what we're going to see is if we don't have a strong candidate and a strong, um, a strong support, we're going to lose again. Mm. Yeah. So we'll see, but I, it's just, it's, it's very, very concerning. Um, I, I'm not optimistic at all right now when, when looking at the democratic slate of candidates and, uh, and the way that they're behaving with another. And the more people that are jumping in now, I'm like, oh gosh, it's only, only dividing it even further. So we'll see, but, um, let's move on. Cause I, you know, I don't want to drag this podcast down. With I was going to say, I was politics. about to cry. Let's get, let's keep it. Let's keep it. And I promise my next, my next ones are actually pretty positive but ben let's go back to you what's your number two this week all right my number two i'm hitting the big big times uh this week let's talk about the watchman 
Uh, so we had episode seven. Uh, the article that I want to read, though, uh, or the, the article I want to cite is from Spin Magazine, talking about Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross Ooh. released their Life on Mars ambient cover from The Watchmen. Oh, um, so that was playing during the end of the show. Yeah. So epic. What a way to epically end. And can we just talk about, I think maybe I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, how great this score has been for the show yeah um just another reason why uh, another reason to love this show is this score is is reminiscent of their work on uh the social network and just this ambient building uh i love how you have um Trent Reznor, and so you have these flashes of Nine Inch Nails, you know, get hard for a second, and then it just tones back down, and it builds and crescendos and rises and lowers, goes to depression, goes to highs. I love it so much. I mean, that's why I was such a fan of, you know, the Downward Spiral, because it was such a, a epic, dramatic album that had these kind of crazy sexual desire songs then to hurt at the end of the album which is a dramatic song anyway um that's one great thing so we're watching the watchmen episode seven the show continues to have these reveals these twists that i couldn't see coming um i'm going back rereading the books right now of the watchmen i had no idea the end reveal of episode seven was coming guys i want to know your take because my take is there's so many shows that kind of have these reveals and you're like, the murderer really is blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, oh my God. Or it doesn't even hit any at all. You know what I mean? You don't feel anything. The reveals that they have on this show have hit me so hard and I'm kind of confused why. It's not Which... like we're part of like a big universe. Like the reveal is uh, the bad guy is Superman or the bad guy is the Flash or something like that. No, I, it's it's a self-involved universe. And the reveals hit me so hard. So why is that? Lynette, what do you what do you got? I just want to real quick, two things. Yeah. Uh, episode yeah, seven, ahead. is episode seven the most recent one or is yes. that the black and white one? The black and white one was episode six. Okay. Um, so I just wanted to make sure. So yep. number two is in that article, did they mention with if the, the theme songs for... Um, What's his futz? The really smart guy, uh, Jeremy Irons' character. Yeah. Uh, did Trent Reznor compose those, or are those classical pieces? I think some of them were classical pieces. Dang it! Because I was really hoping he composed those, because those were. I, I can look that up, but I, I think there was some classical music, like when they were in the courtroom scene and stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think it's Mozart. That's actually Mozart. I think it's Mozart. Is it yeah. Mozart? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's I'm very Requiem. bad yeah. at at figuring that stuff out. Jeff I could, only know that. From... that. From Amadeus, the movie. So, by but the no, being nice one. But no, uh, <laughs> no matter what, I think he's the one choosing the music. He's like the music overseer. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um. So then, good choice. Yeah. Anywho, but back to your reveal. Yes, this. I would say that this episode was probably the one that I was finally like, all right, I'm a hundred percent. 200% in it. I'm ready to go. Like, I liked it, and I was, like, watching it to keep up with you guys. And you guys had more of a visceral reaction to episode six, hmm. I think, than I did. Um, we didn't get your on-air review of that. So you didn't have the feels for that, like like his character being hooded justice and all that? I mean, I did, but I think it's a different situation for me. So okay. being being a part black person in America, um, because you had mentioned, um, I 
I don't know if I'd listen to it or what, but the terror of being being a black American really came through for you in that for me, I was like, this isn't a ritter this is this is this is something I kind of already know. Um I think I think it was more powerful the fact that they did say he had to dress as a white person. That's what I meant. That's like okay. it was it was about his culture being like used or covered up to serve a higher purpose. That that was kind of the creepy weird. It's a very subtle thing. It wasn't like, you know, the down, downtrodden black man or something like that. It was like, all right, we we understand you have some good stuff you want to do, but let's color <laughs> let's color your face white so the rest of the white people can listen to us. It was very creepy and subtle. That's well, well, have you ever heard of code switching? Yes. Yes. So, I mean, that's the thing that we do all the time. So for us, that's that's part of it is changing our voice, making our hair look less black, things like that. We do we we do it all the time. So it's for like me, the movie, that, it's like the movie. Um, um, sorry to black bother Brandman. you. And sorry to bother. Yes, you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's all of that to try to make us feel less threatening to to other people. Now, with that being said, the reason why I think episode seven was exceptional is because it really made it aware how I feel like some of our experiences do get coded in our DNA, like they've been saying Mm -hmm. and how history has, has a, has a, the, the process of repeating itself. And the fact that we could see how, um, Angela, right? That's um, sister, sister Knight, Regina King. Yeah, Regina. Yeah. How her character almost had no choice in the matter of becoming a police officer, because if you think about it, her grandfather was a police officer. Um, Her father was an army uh, sergeant. She becomes a law enforcement agent, Um, partially because those are the the options available to them in their time because there's not much other option, but also because of these things that happened in the past that none of them are aware of, but still propel this, this storyline. Um, I found that to be a more intriguing, like that to me really got me. That was just like, yes, they're finally showing how, if you want to go there, systemic racism in America keeps people into certain positions right and that's what i connected to and and also her response to trauma was so interesting like when Mm -hmm. the 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 girl is identifying you know the assailant that killed her parents and uh the police officers are like you know so just you know you did the right thing you're not you know don't be scared she's like i'm not scared can i listen to you torture him yeah <laughs> that was so interesting can i listen i think that's what she asked like we're going to take care of him and she always can i listen it was such an interesting well i think i always assumed that she thought that they were going to question him and then they just shot oh. him i thought i thought she knew i mean oh, maybe. post post uh, post vietnam vietnam sounds like a pretty rough place to live in as an american <laughs> as its 51st state of america it sounds pretty <laughs> crazy true <laughs> um but the reveal the big reveal yeah uh that was spectacular i think that was probably the best written reveal i've i've seen in a really long time i i get really mad if i can predict predict i was gonna say shit because i can say shit um i get really mad when i can predict shit um it upsets me it makes me furious did not see that coming 
until the moment where um, Lady True was like, you didn't ask me who he was. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And I was like, ah, it was great. Yeah, when she was bashing her husband's brains, that was shocking. I, I, We're going to have then, to put a spoiler alert on this now. Thanks. Yeah. Now we got to do it. <laughs> Chris, what about you? Did you see it? Yeah, it, I mean, it's the most interesting show on television right now. I mean, it really is um, just you're you're just absolutely drawn in every line of dialogue, every visual uh, from, you know, the previous episode to this week, um, seeing my man Cheyenne Jackson get a little bit of yes. you know, yeah. in that episode. I was like, hey, Cheyenne, good to see you, my man. Um, you know, it's it's just it's such a great and you're just seeing again, we, we talk about actors just chewing up dialogue chewing up you know doing good work and and just seeing you know regina king to Je- you know jeremy irons um you know tim blake nelson i mean just everybody's just killing it on this show right now um it's it's awesome and yeah that that reveal at the end um <laughs> it blew my mind um ben to your point i mean using life on mars in that moment was <laughs> epically good and epically. i immediately I was like, as soon as I heard the piano, I was like, oh man, um, I was just like, this is, this is phenomenal. So it, it really is, uh, in, it's just absolutely incredible. And I, and um, <clears throat> just as a you know person of color, seeing so much diversity on this show is yeah. fantastic. It's, it's so encouraging. Like that scene between Lady True and, and Regina King, when they're talking, you know, That's over lunch, I'm, and I'm watching an Asian woman and a black woman sharing the screen and they're both just killing it. Um, and I'm just like, that's awesome. Like, what a, what a cool time to be, you know. And, and so, you know, I, I know I was a little critical of the show early on by saying, like, I need to get to, you know, you need to get moving here. Um, but they've done that. I mean, by episode three, they did not. They had done that. So um, I'm, I'm all in. Um, I, I, it's one of those shows that I'm like, oh, man, I know that. Well, yeah, I think we have, what, two episodes left, I think, before the yeah, end of the season. which is like that. terrible. <laughs> it's like, and I know we probably have to wait, like, almost a year and a half probably for the next one. Um but you know, it's just like, oh, it's it's just so good. So I think there's so many subtle things going on. These could be rewatched, so, uh, similar similar to the actual comics. And so that's what's really intriguing. Rereading the comics to me is, you have this self-propelled universe, right? So it's not connected. It's DC comic, but it's like a a, a single run. It's it's a self-run comic. It's its own universe. And by, you know, episode 16 in this comic, you are so intrigued by the universe and the world. And I don't know how it does it because it has superheroes in it. It has, you know, origin stories and like at every other superhero story. But there's some little difference like it treats, you know, it, it makes up history like fake history, but it takes real history and blends it together. So you're living in post Vietnam, Vietnam with these black characters interacting with Asian characters on screen. And the story is so good that you just forget where you are. And it's just, it bleeds through everything. It's just so great. And, and so I'm so glad that they made the choice of not making like a remake of the movie of the comics or not making a prequel. So it would all be confusing. I just love how it takes place now in this weird kind of timeline universe. And we just have to deal with it. And here it is. And I just love that. Love it, love it, love it, love it. But I do like how they do make acknowledgments to the movie. Like there's a line at the trial about how um, Jeremy Irons' character kills other superheroes. Right. And I was like, oh, that's that happens at 
the end of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that happened. And then um, the other thing, oh, the other thing was, uh, so Bobby and I were talking offline about the elephant. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's a joke. And he's like, oh, never forget. And I was like, the elephant never forgets. So why wouldn't you use him as a host? That's right. <laughs> and I was just like, oh yeah, that's pretty funny. That was good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, but that, that you talk about the movie, but that's what happens in the comics, of course. Oh, so, oh okay. Yeah. So that, so what you watch in the movie, I, I implore you, like Lynette, go get the comic for 20 bucks. Uh, I have the comic. It's sitting on my table. I can see it right now. My friend lended nice. it to me. You, you, oh, and, so- and it's so great. And and yes, and there's pieces of the movie in it, but don't let that movie guide you. Read the comic and you'll get a better understanding of Mr. Uh, Dr. Manhattan, who we're going to learn a lot more about. Mm-hmm. And when you when he's on the page in the comic, he's such a fascinating, weird character that we've never seen. So he's, he's actually, more than just a blue dong? Yes. <laughs> Yes, he is. Well, we all are, but um, <laughs> but that know, was the best part of the movie on the IMAX screen. That's oh. right. Um, so, <laughs> but what's really interesting? It, it poses the question: If you become like a, this supreme being that can, you know, kill anyone you want and save anyone you want, and see into the future, see into the past, or whatever, and just kind of become beyond everything, what would you do with your time? Like, what would be become valuable to you and what would become kind of nonsense to you. And that's what, that's the kind of question he's posing to everyone and to himself. So that's why he goes to Mars is he's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know who to choose, who to save. Like in the comic, um, he's with the comedian in Vietnam, the comedian who's just this brash asshole that is good at killing people and helps win the Vietnam war. Um, and shoots, I believe the comedian shoots an innocent pregnant woman. Yeah. Yep. And Dr. Manhattan's standing right there. And everyone's like, why didn't you save that woman? And he's like, well, it really wasn't my business, too. <laughs> and she, and like, and the question is, so if I can save this woman, shouldn't I have? But should I really interfere with someone else's timeline? Is, is that me playing God? Is that, mm. am I going a little too, like, should I interrupt all domestic violence disputes <laughs> then on the planet? It doesn't make any sense. Shouldn't people be allowed to make their own choices? It's, and that's why he goes to Mars is just like, I, I'm tired of getting caught up in these little squabbles. So it's really interesting to see. We can, I can't wait to see why he's back on earth. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. He fell in love. <laughs> or is he just no? Or is he just using her? Oh, ooh, what Let's for see. sex? He was a little. He was a little no, lonely. No, 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 no. That no, blue no, dong not, needed to come out. Not for sex. I I think she was on a mission the whole time because she was questioning Lady True about what is the millennial clock? Why do you need it? For so for some reason, I think Doctor Manhattan can't see inside Lady True or know what she's doing. I think he sent her in there on purpose, or he, he set this all up. To, and she's like kind of like a spy, and he's kind of using her because there was kind of like a voiceover at the very end. I need to listen to the voiceover and talking about like how did you know that you love me right right when you right. first met me? He's like I just did, and she's like that's fucked up that you would know that we would fall in love and he's like i just uh, he's very manipulative in that way so yeah a person that can was see in the preview the right if, if a person can see into the future and see into the past then you would kind of just believe him at face value be like oh shit 
you know, he said I'm going to die today, so I might as well just jump off this cliff. <laughs> so, like, he can kind of manipulate you in that way. It's it's so we don't we don't really know what his motives are, and we don't really know what the senator's motives are. It sounds like he wants to become Doctor Manhattan himself. So, oh yeah, he's a there's so much going on. There's so much. And going. also the reveal this week of who Lady True's parents were. Yeah. Mm. So much. So, so much, much going on. I love it though. Love it, love it, love it. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Lynette, what's your number two this week? My number two is going to be a possible competitor for us, but not really. Um, so um, I was listening to a free preview of Sirius Satellite, and I heard about a podcast. So uh, John Cameron Mitchell of Hedvig uh, fame and also directed something recently um, has a new podcast on Luminary. And it is called Anthem Humunculus. And it is. I don't think a, it's a contender with us because that's a terrible name. So. <laughs> Humunculus actually means something. Anyhow, oh, great. I just meant because it's a non catchy phrase podcast. Shush. Um, but this is what it is it's if John Cameron Mitchell had stayed um, in his hometown and had never actually became the artist that he was supposed to oh so it's basically as he called it he calls it um he calls it historical fiction (laughs) um even though that's i guess what it is but it's a musical podcast so glenn close plays his mother um cynthia revo is in it (laughs) i knew i purposely did um (laughs) a bunch of other people are in it um and it's just this, it's a 10, 10 episode, po- or excuse me, 11 episode podcast about what his life would be like if he had stayed. Um, and the interesting thing about it is, is that the reason why it became a podcast is because he started writing a new musical and people didn't want to buy the musical. They weren't interested in it. So somebody said, oh, well, this would make a really good serial for like a podcast or a radio show. And so that's why he did it. And now it's launching off for other, he's looking for other writers um, to come in for the next season. So the next seasons won't be him. There'll be other writers writing their story as serial cool. podcasts. So what do you think about that? Do you think that this is, now here's the thing. We can only listen to the first two episodes before we have to subscribe. So it's another subscription service because they have to pay the actors, um, which they do. Everybody should get paid. So do you think that this is something as a good way to kind of uh, jumpstart a musical? Like, do you think it's a good venue to do that in? Um, Or should people still be looking at kind of traditional ways? Or what do you guys think about it? Chris? Well, I mean, I I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think it's it's something that hasn't been tried before. I think it's um, creative, obviously. and you know, far be it from me to say, okay, I'll I'll spend forty five minutes to an hour, you know, sitting and listening to a John Cameron Mitchell musical, which are usually very good. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's I, I'm on I'm on board. I mean, do I wish, you know, part of me in my my utopian view of society would be like, oh, wait, why do I have to pay for that? But you know, I have to pay for a ticket for things, so I, I get it. So, um, yeah, I th- I think it's a good idea. I mean. I, well, just I think don't forget, it's also it's a ten-hour musical. 
I mean, that's because great too. I mean, I think you're, 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 you know, with, especially with his style of composing, I think that's great. Um, good cast. I mean, I looked at the cast list, you know, get strong, you know, Glenn Coase, um, Patty Lapone, um, Cynthia Revo, And then it's great to see Cynthia Revo's biggest fan is also in it, which is also happens to be Cynthia Revo. But anyway, <laughs> God, I don't like that woman. Um, so <laughs> sorry. As soon as as soon as I saw her name on the list, I was like, "Oh, of course she's in this thing," uh-huh. and of course she's gonna tell everybody she's in this thing. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah. But I, like I said, I think that's a great idea. Ben, what do you think? Um, I I you know not you know I'm not a giant musical person, but I am a big podcast listener. So I love anything that's kind of off the beaten path as far as podcasts, and that is to me I. I've been a giant podcast fan for a long time. I would say before, you know, it became kind of a mainstream kind of thing. I had a podcast 10, 12 years ago before it really became a thing. So I always love when podcasts become something a little different, that it is something because we all need something to listen to and to explore the voice is one of my favorite things. As you both know, when I was in college a billion years ago, I love old time radio. You know what I mean? I loved, I love mm. and still love to this day. I love how on the radio they had comedy, drama, music, everything that you would ever want. And then a combination of all of it. Um, I thought, I think that needs to come back because I think that is an art form unto itself. So That's anytime I hear say that, yeah. My local theater is actually doing It's a Wonderful Life radio show. <gasps> so it's a play. But it's a so it's a play, but it takes place at the rate. So it's really a reading of the radio show. It's a very interesting concept. I can't wait to see it. I got to get out there and see it. But it's at Capitol Repertory Theater in Albany. But um, yeah, that's what they decided for their holiday show um, to kind of bring that that back, that whole idea of, um, you know, radio old timey radio shows really were a thing and still should be honored and listened to. Yeah, and I love how, I love how that you know the art form of podcasting just keeps growing, and the interviews and everything. I don't know if you guys have listened to it, but uh, you know this is totally off the path. I just need to mention it that I I have I am listening to the interview with the RZA and Donnell Rawlings from the Chappelle Show for the mm. second time on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. You need to check it out. It's a great interview. The RZA, the way he speaks and thinks is so wild and weird and awesome. You just need to check it out. So I, I don't know. Podcasts to me are just the next level of entertainment that we we get to hear the inner workings of artists that, you know, 20 years ago, even 15, 10 years ago, we didn't get to hear these things. And it's so cool to hear your favorite artist come out and, and you can hear the inner workings of his brain. It's great. That's cool. Awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So for mine, real quick, because uh, we are, oh my gosh, we're an hour into this podcast already. <laughs> so for mine two, my, my number two real quick. So we're recording this on Tuesday, December 3rd. Um, tomorrow, December 4th, um, is the premiere of the uh, first trailer for the next Bond, James Bond movie, which um, is um, – called what is it a day to die or something like that i, I yeah something like that something like that two two days to die i don't know anyway um it, who's it our is, bond this time it, it, daniel craig still still daniel craig but this is his last 
go around with the character. That's basically been the last one was the last one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but he's basically said like this is this yes. is it. I mean, they're, and they're kind of they're kind of like already kind of putting this in out there, saying that this is going to be it for him. Um, but uh, I, I just wanted your thoughts on first of all, are you excited for a uh, a, a James Bond movie? Um, nah. Also, what do you think about a what do you think about a James Bond now in this this post Me Too society where a character like that is is kind of looked at as being kind of very dated in a way. But um, Lynette, let's start with you. Are you are you excited about this at all? What do you think? Give me everything. I was excited when Daniel Craig first came out as James Bond because I always did like um, I always liked the James Bond franchise. I wasn't a huge huge fan, but I would always watch the new ones when they came out, and I went back and watched some of the old ones. Um, and I think I think the the series has aged well with how society is aged um i think there's a lot i mean there's still some cheesy cheesy you know sex stuff but it's it's not nearly as crazy misogynistic as it was back when like uh sean connery um or timothy dalton not timothy dalton the other dude um were the bond now roger moore thank you um uh but i'm also not caring until we get maybe a black bond or a female bond because i you know it's kind of the same old i don't even think i saw was quantum of solace the last one yeah, no it was, um, it. it was specter was the last one. Oh, oh yeah. yeah i didn't even see specter i just don't saw quantum of solace uh so no i'm not really excited um but i should mention we are getting technically we are getting a black female 007 in this movie Yes. Mm. So uh, basically, one of the I guess one of the plot lines is that uh, the rumor is that James Bond goes rogue in this in this one, and um, the MI6 gives the 007 moniker to a, a a black woman who actually she was the I forgot the actress's name, but she was the um, she was in Captain Marvel. Uh, she was like she played Carol oh, Danvers, her, like friend, yeah, right. yeah. So that's right. that's the actress, yeah. So she's now- gonna be. The 007, yeah. So I went to caring about 10% to caring about 30 to 40%. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Ben, what do you think about this whole thing? Um, You know, I'm excited for Daniel Craig's send-off. Skyfall is a great movie. Um, Casino Royale, the second one, is a great movie. Uh, I think he has done great stuff for the series, but I'm kind of with Lynette. I'm saying that uh, they should have made – what's his name – I, I, for, I always forget how to say his name. Idris Elba. Idris Elba, yeah. He should have been Bond 10 years ago. Mm. Stringer Bell. Stringer Bell is Bond. Is mm. I'm all in. Um, but, you know, now he's kind of getting up there. Uh, I'm I, having I fantasies listen... about that now. <laughs> 10 years ago, Idris Elba. I mean, mm. they do reverse uh, CGI now, so fuck it. Let's just do it. Um, so, but we have him. I, I listened to the Skyfall rewatchables, and they threw his name out, and they threw Emily Blunt out. Yeah, um, who was in Sicario, a great freaking awesome action movie. So she can definitely pull it off. I believed every single second of Sicario. I, I she still was think... in Return to Mary Poppins. That was a great action movie. She did right, well exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I still believe. You know, I watched Sicario. I still believe Benicio del Toro is set loose somewhere in Mexico and South America, killing drug lords as we speak <laughs> right now on air. Uh, so, but um, Chris. I'm excited for the send-off. I hope they do it justice. I hope, uh, you know, you say post-Me Too movement. I, there's some things that still need to remain Bond 
in today's day and age that need to be unwavering and unapologetic. You know what? If if mm-hmm. if, if prohibition came out tomorrow, I would still like to have James have a martini, shaken not stirred. You know what I mean? I, right. I, I unapologetic. I am this spy. But and- I think they do that. I mean, I I think even even before the Me Too movement really had a full. I feel like that once Daniel Craig took over, they really did a good job about this is just his character and women are falling in love with his his charisma and it's consensual. And I think that's okay. The Me Too is not about not having sex. It's about having consensual sex. Yeah, I I don't know. Bond, (laughs) there's some questionable consent in James Bond movies. In the old school ones. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, but I feel like uh, they've gotten better. Skyfall, Skyfall, there's this, there's this scene they talk about in the rewatchables. There's this woman that like, you know, talks about her being swept up in the sex trade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Daniel Craig just attacks her in the shower. Just comes up behind her. Like, no invitation. (laughs) Walks up behind her. I am going and, to have to rewatch that now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's sexy, but it, but it's, it's, it's sexy because it's not happening to you. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no! Bad. No, that is. I will say this. I, not me too. Don't do that. And I and ah. Ben, I think you. I think, <laughs> ben, <laughs> I think you hit the nail. I think you had a good point there. Where yeah. with with this Daniel Craig series, they are trying to. I think what's what they've done. His legacy will be that they show consequences for actions in his right. in this one. Like Eva Green's character in the first Casino Royale dies. Mm-hmm. Um, Gamma er, Gamma um, Earth and her character in Quantum of Solace dies. Um, so like because wait, wait, of so women women who have sex with Bond automatically have to die. Well, no, That's no, I'm saying that like Harry's people getting AIDS because they slept, they cheated on their husbands. Well, what I'm saying is that they're they're showing that there, there are consequences, you know that that you you know they're not they're he not throwing away yeah, lies, he yeah. Them. He could have saved They're them not throwing away lies, you know, right. um, fr- frivolously. Like in Gold, you know, here's a good example: Goldfinger. He talks to a woman the next day; she's dead. Like that's like you know, it's like oh god, um, you know. And there's real there's real stakes, I, I think, in this new series of. Of Bond films, and I, I think also why you're seeing a lot of these actresses appearing in multiple ones. I mean, Lila Layla Sagu, I think her name is, um, yep. who was in Spectre. She's also in this one. So um, you're I seeing mean, a little and bit. And then of that. you know, you're you're totally right because you think of Skyfall. A lot of I don't think it's James, but M's actions cause her death at the end mm-hmm. of Skyfall. What she did to some agents caused her death. Uh, you know, and as far as Bond going rogue, that has happened already. Uh, the movie's called <laughs> License to Kill with Timothy Every Dalton. Every movie he feels like he's, he's going Well, no, no. Yeah. Timothy Dalton, they actually re- revoke his license yeah. to kill. So if he kills anyone, he's actually wanted for murder. Uh, that's mm. why the movie's called License to Kill, which uh, I believe that is the one that features a very, 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 very young Benicio Del Toro. And yes, it does. And a very awesome Wayne Newton performance. Uh, so <laughs> check that out if you haven't seen that one in a while. That's that's one of my favorites. Great, actually, it's a great Bond film. It's yeah. a great Bond, actually. Uh, Timothy Dalton, underrated Bond, along with George Lazenby. Here, here. So, but Chris, I'm all in on Bond. I'm a big Bond hound. So rock and roll. Let's do Love it. it. Love it. All right, uh, Ben. What's your number three this week? Number three. Uh, let's get into it. 
Um, this is a article from comicbook.com. Simpsons fans are freaking out that the show might be ending. So this has been out there. It's been rumored. Uh, the voice actors are getting older. You know, the ratings haven't been there in a while. I just want to kind of get your feeling for the last couple years of Simpsons, what your thoughts are. I mean, I, I got Disney Plus a couple weeks ago. I put on the uh, episode where Homer becomes friends with Flanders and they go to the football game. And Homer goes to the football game. He's like, Nacho, Nacho, man. I want to be a Nacho, man. Love the show. Uh, episode or seasons four, five, six are probably the wheelhouse. Oh, so good. Um, yeah. The, speaking of Bond, the one where he goes to work with um, uh, his boss, his boss's name is uh, Serpico. Uh, <laughs> no, what's Albert his name? Brooks. Albert Brooks. Ser- Albert Brooks su- su- Superior? Oh, what's Superior, his name? Superior, something like that, yeah. Oh, my God. And Superco he goes, was the, the detective? No, I said it wrong. No, I said it wrong. Um, he, my uh, mom dated Serpico. Oh, I forget his name. Anyway, but he goes. they go move to the other town. He gets the new job, and I love that episode so much. So seasons four, five, six are in my wheelhouse as some of the greatest TV of all time, but I know that The Simpsons have been on decline for many years. Uh, Chris Lynette, what what do you think about the show's ending? What do you think of its legacy? What what do you think? I just think about how much stuff I say because of The Simpsons, and yet I never was a real Simpsons watcher. I know that sounds crazy. Like I was not a legitimate like had to be home. What was it? Sun Thursday night, Sunday nights. Sunday nights at eight. Yep. Yeah, I was not like, I have to be home. I got to watch the next Simpsons episode. I'd catch it on reruns, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, um, so it's been in and out of my life. I watch it with friends, but, you know, never one of those things that I had to turn on for myself. Um, but it is amazing how many things I say that I look back and I'm like, oh, that's from The Simpsons. I am 100% adult person. I go around, I say that all day long. Oh, yeah, it's, you do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, but you know, it's also, it's also been, what are they going in there? Their 25th season? Oh, I think like something 30 like that. something, 30 yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's 1988 or something like that. 87, 88. Yeah. Tracy Ullman was like 86, 87. Oh, wow. I mean, there's, there's 30 episodes. There's 30 seasons on Disney plus alone. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, as weird as it sounds, it, it's definitely a product of like the nineties. I feel mm-hmm. like, um, and I don't think yeah. I to know, to agree with both of you. I, I think its relevancy is certainly wavered, but um, I think if they said like this is the last season, like the interest would just spike again. I think it would become you know oh my gosh, like this this family that we've you know that first of all hasn't aged in thirty years, um, and you know uh, has you know they've basically. <laughs> I I once heard a, a read a story. I can't remember. I I wish I could remember where um it was but basically like they have a database set up where they can just type in keywords to see if they've done a plot line of an episode beforehand so they do they don't repeat it because that's how many episodes they've done wow. is that they can't even remember like hey wait a second have we done this episode already things like that so um it's it's incredible legacy um cultural icons I mean, I go way back to like, you know, do the Bartman was like one of, you know, the biggest songs <laughs> on the planet and like who shot Mr. Burns was like the mystery of the summer. Um, you know, the things like that. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So I think if, if, if it's coming up on its last season, great. I think we've, we've definitely had our fill it's on Disney plus. So it'll live on forever. Um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. So yeah, that's my, that's my thoughts. Yeah. I just, I, I just think that this show has so many great lines and so many great writers that ran through it and, you know, maybe they need to, sometimes things need to end so we can remember them in a good way. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can right. make an argument that this show should have ended 15 years ago and, and it probably would have been fine. So, right. You mean um, desperately seeking entertainment? Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, takes, Hot takes left and right today. In 15 years, I want to say that, but yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Good stuff. Well, now, you know what? What? I might be going go on ahead. a limb. No, I'm going to go, go on a limb. Go, go, go. Uh, you know, things need to end so we can remember them fondly. Uh, I was listening to uh, Hall and Oates in the car. All right. Ooh. This is going out on like a big, crazy limb. I might go out in like a crazy tree branch. Uh, and I was listening to uh, I Can't Go For That. You guys familiar with that song? I can't go for that. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. yeah. Great song. Great beat at the beginning, right? Yeah. You know, it's just that ding, 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 ding. It's just that awesome bass line kicks in. Very similar to Billie Jean. Yeah. Mm. But there's a reason why I'm not playing Billie Jean with my kid in the car anymore. is it is it we've never talked about that what the legacy of daryl hall versus michael jackson is way higher (laughs) that's all i'm saying (laughs) good i think that could be its own 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 show yeah Yeah. right exactly so sometimes things need to kind of be set in stone and that's their legacy and rock and roll now we have like live in daryl's house but it's kind of like a regrowth it's a different career than 80s hall and oats you know yes. what i mean so like right. he kind of put the it's a different the vibe, chapter usually. the book the book ends you know it's like yeah. jeff lynn live now is different than elo in the 70s so but you can say i like the elo catalog here it is you want to know some good elo songs here it is from 70s to 80s boom where it's like closed mm. down. Jeff Lynn shut it down for 15 years, came back, and like here's Jeff Lynn traveling with Wilbury's music and ELO, but that's Jeff Lynn, not ELO. So right. sometimes things are better when it's just like a a thing, when it just doesn't keep going and going. And just like we said, you know, to bring it all back, this is called a callback in, in comedy, is, you know, instead of tarnishing your brand with some okay movies, why not just – End it with Goodfellas. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There yeah. you go. There, you, there go. you go. Good stuff. Lynette, what's your number three? Okay, my number three is actually really my number one. I'm so excited about this. I can't Ooh. I can't believe I've held it in for this long. All right. So uh, a friend just posted on Facebook, and I found the article, and I got so excited. So the article is um, on – it doesn't matter. They finally have allowed us – to pre-order the child, a.k.a. Baby Yoda plush. It's officially out on Disney today, on shopdisney.com. I have pre-ordered my 11-inch Baby Yoda (laughs) for $24.99. Yeah. And I won't get it until April 1st. Oh, my God. It's just like Star it's like the initial Star Wars toy launch April all over again. First. Jesus. They won't, they're not even real. So here's the thing is that they're not even apparently starting production until February 2020. Um and then um yeah, I was just like, wait, what? That doesn't make sense. That's not right. Dude, just um, in time for May the fourth. That's just, amazing. Oh, exactly. Yeah. It um, it makes sense from a standpoint of like 
it was such a big reveal that you can't take the chance of manufacturing this thing overseas without it getting leaked. Like, right. if you're working in a Chinese well, factory true. and you're manufacturing baby Yodas, you're like, wait a second, what is this? This is so cute. Let me take a picture. Right. Someone's going to snap a picture and say, look what we're making in our factory. The whole thing is ruined at that point. I mean, that That's was true. one of the best That's reveals true. of any television show I've seen ever. I mean, so yeah. right. like, there well, you go. Just be like, it'd be like now if they started manufacturing dead baby Yodas for episode six. <laughs> <laughs> Because a Mandalorian's got to get his bounty at some point. <laughs> oh my god! It's terrible. It's terrible. But let's just talk about how good that show is for a second. Yeah. I mean, that it is. By the way, last episode, last episode. I don't know if you saw this. Was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm-hmm. You see that? Yes. Um, and I made a comment on Facebook saying, wow, who would have thought that Bryce Dallas Howard would do a better job directing a Star Wars property than her father did? So, um, <laughs> there you go. But yeah, no, that's... I mean, spent... Lynette, did you get two of them? Did you get like... No, you can only get, get one. You can only pre-order one at a time. Are you Love gonna it. take it out of the box? Uh, I wanna hug it! You can't. You can't. You gotta leave it in the box. No. You gotta leave it in the box. No. <laughs> uh... So apparently the re- I'm sorry the release date is February 2020, um, and then I've got to figure out why mine said that I wasn't going to get mine until April. <laughs> oh my god! Amazing. Yeah. Wait. Let's uh, talk about let's talk about the show really quick. Let's talk okay. about the show. A couple things. Um, for me, The Mandalorian is scratching that itch that you know captures my five year old's attention and this. 39 year old's attention too. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a great kind of fantasy world building sci-fi story, but also has enough kind of cool stuff in it that a five-year-old and it keeps his attention. Like it keeps his attention hard. He is watching that screen. It's not me talking him in, into watching something. He's watching it. And then second, this last episode, episode four, uh, we found, we finally found a vehicle for one of my favorite people on this earth, Gina Carano. Uh, UFC yeah. fighter, uh, fabulous looking. Oh, is and, that who she is? Yeah, not the best actress by far, but my God, oh, ex- she did really well. But ex shock trooper in the Star Wars universe, I'm all in. I want a whole movie about her character, and so forth. Ex shock trooper, what a great character! I'm all in. Great stuff. Great stuff. Great stuff. Um, awesome. Awesome. Well. I cannot wait to see pictures of you with your baby Yoda. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. In April when it comes. Great. Good stuff. All right, folks. For my last pick this week, I got a pretty good one for you. And I was really excited when I saw this. So uh, this is coming from a website called artform.com. And I don't know how these people – I've never heard of this website before. Um, I have no idea how these people were able to get this. But they were able to get in contact with the legendary film director, John Waters, <gasps> and asked him – what were your top 10 favorite movies this past year? Oh. What? Shut the front door. And he, wow. gave them, he gave them his top 10. Now, Oh, my God. Now, this could be like, you know, any filmmaker can give their top 10, right? I don't give but, a shit about them, but I care about John Waters. <laughs> this is right. John Waters. So it's John like, freaking Waters. What, what films could have ever been released that, that John Waters is looking at saying, that's a great movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's awesome, and and the list does not disappoint. So here's I'll get I'll give you the top ten right now. Here it is. Here we go. So number ten, he gave he actually put Joker at number ten. Okay. 
that he said, is it irresponsible? Maybe. Dangerous? We'll see. It's the first big budget Hollywood movie to gleefully inspire anarchy. Bravo. So that's awesome. I can see that. I can see that. Number nine, The Souvenir. I don't know if anybody saw The Souvenir. Mm -mm. Um, But uh, Scorsese adopted this. It says, it's an ugly to look at, but beautifully shot high class art film based on the director's disastrous love affair with a junkie. So there you go. Um, Number eight, The Golden Glove. Anybody hear of that one? No. No? Okay. Even like in, in, Here's what he says about it. Even its own American distributor called this film reprehensible. And I agree. <laughs> Yet it's so appalling, so grotesque, so well made, and brave lack that I dare suggest you give this serial killer movie a watch. Shame on you, Faith Atkin, for making it. Shame on me for putting on this on my top ten list. Shame on you if you like it. Oh, my God. Wow, I gotta see it now. Golden Glove. <laughs> Golden, the Golden Glove. I love John um, Morris. He just dares you to watch movies. He just I dares love you it. to watch this. Yeah, he's like, I made this movie. I dare you to watch it. Number seven, Pain and Glory. It's the first Aldo Aldovar movie to shock me, and it's not one bit funny or melodramatic, and even the colors are muted. Yet it goes beyond the valley of maturity and over the top, riveting self reflection on gay mental health. So, nice, awesome. What was Number it called six, again? Pain and Glory. Oh. oh, number six, Hail Satan uh, with a question mark. <laughs> so it looks like it's a documentary um, about uh, this this separation of church and state and, and the cult leaders and things like that. So um, there you go. Um, number five, a movie called Amazing Grace, which is another documentary. It's a top notch documentary about the 1972 making of Aretha albums. Aretha, excuse me, Aretha Franklin's gospel album. Oh, I- um, yeah, I watched the preview for that. That looks great. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. So he put it in his top five. Nice. Next, number four, a movie called Border. Um, <laughs> I love I love his description here. It says, if Eraserhead had cousins, this transgressive troll couple would be welcomed them into their jaw-droppingly bizarre world of overdeveloped noses, maggot-eating diets, and pedophile-hunting duties. Love it. <laughs> My, I'm all in on I'm all border. In. I'm, I'm all in on Eraserhead cousins. Number three, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm telling there you, I go. love that movie. I love this man. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, Joan of Arc. Uh, this, I did not see this movie, but uh, there's God. And his name is is there is a God, and his name is Bruno Demont, director yep. of the film. Um, so yeah, loves that movie. Number one, what is the number one movie for John Waters? Come on. This past year, it's a movie called Climax, Ooh. and just the way it describes it is amazing. The best movie of the year is it gives a... new. Go ahead. Is it a porno? <laughs> no, but it looks from images I'm looking at. It could be close. Um, it is. Uh, he he calls it the best movie of the year. Gives new meaning to the term bad trip. Frenzied dance numbers combined with LSD mental breakdowns and childhood trauma turn this nutcase drama into the red shoes meets hallucination generation freak out baby freak out so there you go john waters top 10 movies for 2019 which is nice. amazing. Uh, he's currently on, on a 16 city spoken word tour called a john waters christmas which um i really want to go see so there you go <laughs> i would love to see that i love john waters so much uh I just want to I want to gauge the audience right here. Uh, Lynette, Chris, 
How, uh, John Waters. What movies have you seen of his? Because I've seen them all. Um, <laughs> I've, I've seen them all. I've seen Crybaby. I've seen Hairspray. I've seen, um, uh, oh God, what was Flamingos? Pink, Pink Flamingos. Flamingos. Did I show was... you that? Did I show you that one? No, I saw that one on my own. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. I, All right. I have a secret life as a drag king, I wish. Um, what else? I've seen. Um, I've you seen, ever seen um, polyester? Polyester. No, oh. I haven't seen that one yet. Lynette, you gotta see uh, polyester. It comes in smell-o-vision. Next time you come <laughs> over, I have the card. You know, the scratch and sniff card. <laughs> oh. It came with the DVD. And so uh, there's a in one scene. There's this girl, and she's huffing paint, <laughs> and you have to scratch and sniff. Amazing. Um, <laughs> what movies? Oh, Pecker. Oh yeah, um, Pecker. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, Serial Mom, also yep. another really good one. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, I is... love Serial Mom. Pussy Willows. <laughs> um, oh, Cecil B. Demented. That was oh, a good yeah. one. Right. Um, yeah. What was the one with uh, Johnny Knoxville where he has a TBI? What was that one? Oh, God. What is that? It's, it's called like Demented or... Uh... It's him and Tracy Ullman, and he has, he gets a sex addiction, a sex addiction because he gets his head or something. Oh, oh my god! Gosh. Yeah, a dirty shame. A low down dirty shame or dirty shame. It's just dirty, dirty shame. shame. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. dirty shame. Yep. Um, oh my god, Selma Blair in that movie, by the way. She's got these. <laughs> gigantic, well, uh, you know, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's... All right, oh, all right. I'm, I'm in. I'm in the company of good people. All right, I just had to gauge that. So I, he's just, that he's list one of those is great. people. He's one of those people that's like, if he, if he praises you in any way, shape, or form, like I'm done. Like I don't need. Yeah. I don't need approval from anybody else on the on this planet. If he says, Chris, good job. Like, yeah. good. I'm good to go. So there you go. There you go. All right, folks. Let's go YouTubing. Let's do it. YouTubing time, baby. <laughs> all right. So Lynette, why don't you kick us off? All right, so my YouTube this week is actually, it looks like it just uploaded 17 minutes ago, is the teaser teaser trailer for Black Widow. Um, it looks like they just dropped a um, uh, the trailer uh, Marvel Universe on YouTube, and um, it looks interesting, to say the least. It's got Rachel Weisz. It's got uh, someone playing her sister that I don't recognize. Uh, Florence or um, fr- fr- uh, last name Pew. She's from Midsummer. Um, oh, okay. Oh, that girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it's also got uh, uh, Sheriff uh, Dad Bod from uh, Stranger Things. David Harbor from Stranger <laughs> Things. Yep. Yep. Nice. Uh, so it looks. It looks. It looks. It. It definitely looks action packed. Um. I'm excited to see. I want to like kind of rewatch it, see some tidbits, see if I can pick anything out. Um, it looks like it'll be a fun, a fun summer movie for May of 2020. So this is the first Marvel film after Endgame. So this is nope. Like, nope. nope. Wait, what's the first? Spider Man Far From Home. Oh, okay. So Spider Man Far From Home. So, but Spider Man. I'm sorry. So this is the first movie of Phase Four, I should say. Yes, sorry. correct. Yeah. Um, correct. So I saw the trailer. I was kind of like, all right. Like I just kind of, I kind of gave it the shrug of like, all right, well it's Marvel. So, you know, I've got no reason to doubt that it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm interested to see why they made this film. And, you know, with Marvel, they're thinking, they're always thinking 10 steps ahead. Obviously there's going to be implications and things that happen in this movie that impact 
other films and, and things like that. So I'm very interested to see why they're doing a Black Widow you know, origin story, so to speak. So that's the interesting. they needed one 10 years ago. And, and that would be, that's my first argument is that like this movie should have happened 10 years ago. Um, but if it didn't, she, you know, she perished in Endgame. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Um, <laughs> for anybody who hasn't seen Endgame yet. I think we've already spoiled people, a lot of stuff. <laughs> for those three people yeah, that haven't seen that movie. Spoiler episode. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm wondering why they're making this movie now and, and what the implications would be. Ben, have you seen the trailer yet? Um, uh, no, I haven't, but I can answer your question. Uh, as far as Black Widow and Nick Fury go, uh, not to spoil anything, there's a couple of comic books where Nick, Nick Fury and Black Widow aren't what they appear to be because they're master spies. Right. So okay. the the versions of Black Widow and Nick Fury that you might see die or perish might be clones or facsimiles of them. Ooh. They actually might be um, the Scree army or something like that. So you never can tell with Black Widow or Nick Fury anytime. There's this great um, comic book run, and they go up to the moon. And they're actually fighting Nick Fury, and he's fighting them. They they blow him out of the, the sky, the Avengers do, and all of a sudden the real Nick Fury comes out and reveals himself. So this happens quite a bit in the comics. So we don't know where they're building for. So um, Scarlett Johansson might have a future still in the MCU phase four. We never know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah. Yeah. It looked like it actually looked to me like it might be a prequel before she passed. Oh yeah, it it is. Uh, This is. Yeah. But I'm saying that the character black widow, even if there is multiple black widows, almost like a 007, you know how there's, there can be multiple people named 007 or 006, like Sean Bean and Goldeneye. (laughs) This one might be a a carry on to a character that might not be what she appears through the MCU. I Mm. still think that what we have seen through all of the Marvel cinematic universe, we haven't, we, we don't really know what's going on. So they might go back through time. You know, if you've built this universe, just like an Endgame, remember how they go back in time through all the movies, they might do that again coming up in MCU uh, Phase 4. Well, there right. was, what was, which was the end cap where they had the Skrull, the Skrull guy being Nick Fury and um, the friend. What Was that an Endgame or was that, no, it was in, um, it was in the was um, in Marvel? Far From Home. Far from home. Far from home. Right. Yep. Okay. Where it just kind of appeared and then they, they're they flying away and all of a sudden it becomes the, yeah, the scroll. Sorry, not Scree, the scroll. Scroll captain does that. So, yeah. So, um, so that's interesting. I'm, I would be interested to see, you know, I, and I think that's the thing is like the one good thing about most of the uh, Avengers uh, thingies is I feel like you can never quite tell what the actual movie's about. Like, you have a base idea. You're like, okay, this is going to be her origin story. But they don't actually give you the real nitty-gritty details that you need to know. Like, right. So that's always a good thing to look forward to. And we know that Kevin Feige and the Russo brothers, uh, more importantly, have made clips to put in trailers that weren't necessarily anything. They they, they just filmed off set and just to throw us off, too. Mm. That's awesome. <laughs> I do love, love that. it. Awesome. All right, ben, what do you got? What do you got for YouTube, my friend? All right, YouTube. All right, you ready? All mm-hmm. right, you just got two. Um, just two things this week, but they're very important. I want everyone to look up on YouTube Looper, the differences between the Mandalorian and Boba Fett. 
It's a four-minute video. Mm-hmm. So you actually get to see what the difference between the character, the main character in The Mandalorian and our beloved Boba Fett through the original trilogy are. That uh, Boba Fett is not actually a Mandalorian. He just wears Mandalorian armor. So, and actually they make a reference to this in episode four, uh, when he lands on the planet, someone asks him, you know, I'm assuming that you're a Mandalorian or are you just wearing Mandalorian armor? You know, they don't say just like Boba Fett, but that's what they're referring to because what we see in the Mandalorian is post Jedi. So that's really interesting. Mm. Um, and then, uh, my last video is by this, I'm going to rewatch this again. It was one of the greatest videos I've ever seen. It's by foolish baseball. Foolish Baseball is on YouTube, and he makes these great baseball videos. But it makes makes it look like um, RBI Baseball slash Mega Man 2, so it's all pixelated. And he talks about old man Ortiz destroyed the league on his retirement year. So it's a 14-minute video about how David Ortiz went nuts at age 40 and how no one else in baseball did what he did at age 40 and just how many doubles he had and just destroyed baseball in his kind of retirement run. Great video, 14 minutes. If you're a baseball fan, especially if you're a Red Sox fan, check this video out. You will freak out. I'm going to rewatch this again. Awesome. Chris, what do you got this week? Well, I mean, being a Red Sox fan, I'm definitely going to have to look at that one. Oh, my so, God. Foolish absolutely. Baseball, Chris. If you're not subscribed to them, you'll this guy's page is great. It's between SB Nation and Foolish Baseball have the best right, baseball videos. Are we yeah. all Red Sox fans? <gasps> Lynette, you're a Red Sox fan? I am a Red Sox fan. Nice. Get the F out of here. Oh, my God. Red Sox Nation is alive. Dude. <laughs> You need to check that video out. You will freak out when you see this. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Um, I just have one. This actually I just saw today, actually. It's um, a video called Snow Brawl. And it's it's technically a commercial for for iPhones. But um, it's it's actually pretty cool. It's a snowball fight. And it, the whole thing was filmed on just using iPhone 11s. But it was directed by the director of John Wick. So <laughs> it's basically John no Wick. Yeah, it's the director of John Wick directing a snowball fight and it's everything that you want it to be i mean it's everything that you you've known you know to love about the john wick series but with snowballs and it's just kids having a snowball fight in the forest um but it it looks amazing the whole thing was shot on an iphone 11 but yeah it's called snowball there's actually two videos there's the video itself and then there's actually a making of video so you can actually see the behind the scenes of how they just used a cell phone to basically film this thing so but again I don't want to give Apple too much of a plug here because they're not paying us. And also it's, you know, they got enough money as it is. But um, when you, when you watch this thing, I mean, it's like, Oh my God, that was shot on a phone. Um, I mean, I think it's, you know, we've already seen movies that have been shot on phones. Um, I, I can't remember the name of it. It's not, um, not Tropicana, but it's something, it's a movie that I, I oh, watched. The Steven Soderbergh movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That have been filmed on, on phones. But I mean, this one, you, you couldn't tell. Like you, if you told me that was a red camera, Ari Alexa film, you know, I would not have, you know, uh, I, I would have been surprised that it was a phone. So yeah, check that out. Snow Brawl, um, directed by the guy. He also directed Deadpool 2, same guy did mm. Deadpool 2. So, um, good stuff. So, well, that's going to wrap things up. Oh my gosh, this is a Titanic of an episode, folks. This was yep. really good. Lots to talk about. Lots, Lots of talk about Yeah, it hit an iceberg and it totally crashed at the end. I mean, totally. Jeez. Oh, man. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't that how all your dates go, Ben? Uh, oh. Uh, uh, Shots yeah. fired. Real quick, Lynette, anything to plug? Anything that you want to you know, promote? I have super secretive deals on the horizon that I can't quite talk about. But when I do, it's going to blow your minds. Oh, okay. Whoa. A little vague booking there. I love it. Wow. Wow. 
I'm I I can't wait. I'm excited. This yeah, is great. Yeah. This is great. Ben, how about you? Anything going on? I just want to remind everyone that I have all my YouTube videos that we talk about on this podcast on live nude swearing on YouTube. Just look that right up. It comes right up. Uh, you might get some other weird videos, but I think live nude swearing is where you'll go. Um, I just want to give a shout out to um, Liv from ESPN who subscribed to us, and she's going to play this to all the ESPN people and uh, spread the word at the mothership. Chris, what do you got going on? Well, I've got – you know what? I might as well make the announcement here and now. Um some new developments going on down at Onstage Blog, but um, we've got some new podcasts that are coming Ooh. out uh, that both of you have open invitations, by the way, to appear on anytime that you want. So first one um, is is just simply called, it's going to be, I, I have to re- I have to check to see if, make sure this title hasn't been taken already, but uh, it's called the Bad Guys Podcast. And um, basically what it's going to be is a deep dive into um, villains from movies. Now, I understand that The Ringer did kind of an experimental podcast with this, but they they covered like the most popular, well-known villains of all time. We're not going to do that. We're going to really go deep, deep into finding who are some really great villains who did some really dastardly things in film. Talk about a great amount of scale of evilness, um, things like that. So it'll be it'll be awesome. I can't wait. Like to- deep cut, like uh, like Madam Black- Mim. Like the ba- like the black guy from Spy vs. Spy? I mean, literally. <laughs> I mean, we're going to get obscure. We're gonna Is that get the obs- most racist thing I've ever said? Probably. Ever said. You're, you're, uh, doing, you're doing two for two, Ben. Keep it coming. I did good for like an hour and a half of the podcast, and then it just all fell apart. But yeah, so that, that'll be launching um, in, sometime in the new year um, as well. And then also, uh, we're doing uh, two new podcasts uh, in addition to that. That are more theater related. Uh, one is called the Theater Major Podcast. I kind of toyed with this idea last year, but yep. I wanted to have a podcast that talks a lot more about theater education, telling some fun stories about college, high school theater, things like that. Um, you know, if, we, if anybody was a thespian at one point, and some just some really cool stories, but also really to talk about um, the need for theater education and, and what you know, um, basically trying to be a source of information and encouragement for for school districts out there that are thinking about cutting theater and stuff like that. So we want to basically be a, a good you know, voice to say, no, keep it around. Um, so that'll be coming up. That'll be launching in, in 2020. And then finally, um, the uh, again, I'm going to re- try to rework this title, but it's going to be the Idiot's Guide to Theater podcast, where basically every single week we're going to touch on a different subject of, you know, basically how do I do a Shakespeare monologue? What's the best way to do a Shakespeare monologue? And we're going to have on a guest who, you know, in many cases will be someone experienced, expert, whatever it is, um, to be able to give us an answer. How do I sing this song properly? How do I master Andrew A. Weber, Stephen Sondheim, whatever it is? Um, how do I, you know, do the best light plot? Things like that. So basically, again, wanting to be more informational, um, instructional, and, and just be a good resource for people out there. So there nice. you go. Awesome. So, so just like all these streaming networks that are releasing content, we've got all this new content that's going to be coming out soon. So cannot wait for all of that. So just be up, be up to uh, check that on the Onstage Blog Network at onstageblog.com, where all of our podcasts are right now as well. So um, that's going to do it, folks. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, we'll see you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment.